Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. Everybody, many, many of you that don't know, that's my granddaughter in that video, so... She pr- makes me smile every time I get to see it, and our production team did a great job of putting that together. We're glad that you're here. We're in a series called The Mystery of Christmas. Uh, and, you know, I love the season of Christmas. How many of you enjoy this holiday season? You know, it's the beginning of a true story of, of real ingredients of love, of joy, of goodwill, of friendship, of relationships, and really ultimately of redemption. And we're going to talk about that some today as we, uh, the title of my message is The Mystery of the Baby King. Um, you know, as we celebrate this day and all the pleasantries it brings, uh, a lot of times we miss the, the essence of the divine nature of Christmas. Like, we're, we don't find ourselves really getting our arms wrapped around the truth of, of Christmas. You know, our American culture, in a sense, has a split personality at Christmas time, and I can say that if you throw up that first picture, you guys might know what I'm talking about, right? You've got, you know, here we've got this, this a picture of two individuals that at Christmas time have a heightened sense, and we have this mythical, jolly fat man with supernatural powers who visits houses and enters via the chimney named Santa Claus, whose verbal quote of fame is the, is the world-renowned ho, ho, ho. And many during Christmas time is the centerpiece of their Christmas, contrasted to the babe in a manger, none other than the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, who is supernatural, the God-man whose words are profound and offer eternal life to all of us. Somehow, our culture is caught somewhere in between those two very different characters, from a poor family that doesn't have much to a wealthy experience. You know, do you realize that Christmas is a multi-billion dollar experience around the world? You know, people, we had a light that we see at Christmas, the star that showed up where Jesus was, that we kind of celebrate during the Christmas time, and yet everybody puts lights on their houses everywhere with actual no meaning to the significance of what the lights represent. Um, and so this kind of double personality happens all the time in our culture and our, our nation. And the question is, is, are we missing out on the true value of what Christmas is supposed to be? And so I want to talk about this today. Uh, you know, the, 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 in large part, the, the world believes that the story of Santa and the story of Jesus are both fables. And for us in our Christianity and our faith, it's imperative that we have the true essence of what Christmas means and what it possesses so that we can pass on the reality that, that, that Jesus in a, in, in a manger isn't a fable like the other, that the story of Jesus is the most significant story that a human can hear and it can have the most life-impacting um, uh, value on the lives and souls of people. And for us p- to possess that as Christ followers, and maybe you're here not a Christ follower, maybe you're here visiting family, or you're just come to church for the first time in a while, I want you to know that Jesus is the most significant human that ever came on the planet. And the work that he did and the actions that he did has provided every one of us an avenue into a place of hope, and a, to a place of new life, and, and he offers us a reason to live. And my prayer today is that you would be inspired and encouraged in the conversation that we have today. Um, And I'm going to answer this question, why did Jesus come as a baby in the flesh? That's the mystery. Why did Jesus come as a baby? We're going to unwrap the beauty of that today in our conversation, and I hope that it's insightful for you and encouraging to you. Um, Why did Jesus come as a baby? Let's read in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 in our passage today. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. She um, was John the Baptist's mother. There was a, you know, 
a birth, a supernatural birth. It wasn't uncommon in the scriptures. We see multiple times where God, Abraham, and Sarah, they were in their 80s and 90s. They had a child. It was a supernatural birth. And uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah had a supernatural birth. But both of those births happened by a man and a woman coming together and just God supernaturally allowing them to have a baby. The story we're going to talk about today has a completely different topic and concept of what we're talking about. But this Elizabeth is, is Mary's cousin. Uh, in, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. How many of you would say if an angel came and said anything to you, you might be a little troubled? <laughs> like, what is going on? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you ought to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angels answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Other translations say nothing is impossible with God. Her response, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled then the angel left her. Would you pray with me just for a moment? Lord, I pray that you give me the words that you once said, Lord, to the hearts of every person that is here today. I know you've placed a burden on my heart of, Lord, this great revelation of who you are, and I pray that as we open up our heart to hear from you, Lord, as we open up your word to receive the wisdom that is to be discovered, this mystery of un unraveling it about who Jesus is and why he came as a baby and what it means to us in, in this day, in this generation, in our own personal lives, I pray that that would come alive to us today. And we just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first reason is kind of an easy one of why Jesus came as a babe uh, in this manger is because it was, it was prophesied that he would. <laughs> Basically, there was a prophecy in the Old Testament. You, know, you have the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament is writers that would write about their interaction with God, and God would speak to them, and they would write things that God would speak them about into books. And, and many of those words that were written were about... the one day the coming of a redeemer or a savior that would help man from all its trouble. Now, how many of you know men have trouble, right? How many of you are sitting next to someone that's trouble? You know what I'm talking about? You might not have as much as them, but you know, right? Humans have trouble, and it began early on in the Garden of Eden. And ever since the Garden of Eden and man's trouble, God has spoken even through, the, actually the first prophecy that ever came was to Ab and Eve before they left the garden that one day Eve would give birth to an offspring that would bruise the head of Satan. Like Jesus actually is a fulfillment, prophecy of one that would come out of the offspring of a woman to destroy the powers of Satan was the very first prophecy we find in Scripture. But it was prophesied multiple times that one day God would redeem mankind through a virgin birth. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you from the Old Testament. Isaiah uh, chapter 7, verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. How many you know signs are good? It's important that we pay attention to signs. You know, we always sometimes pray, God, give me a sign. And many of us have, you know, we pray for something, and something happened. We were like, yeah, I'm supposed to do this. Or no, I'm not supposed to do that. Because we thought that we had a sign. And, and God actually 
prophetically has said, listen, I'm going to show you signs in the future so that when they happen, you'll know how to respond. So this was, a, this was generations before Jesus was going to come. I will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That I could be spelled E. But Emmanuel simply means this, God with us. God is going to come in the flesh. You know, prophecies of Jesus coming are, are, are many. They talk about his lineage. Even actually in the scripture we read, it was going to come out of the lineage of David. I don't know if you know this, but Mary, his mother, was from the tribe of Judah, from the lineage of David. She was actually a fulfillment of the prophecy, the place where Jesus was born. His, his ex, when he was forced out of, uh, of Bethlehem into Egypt, all of these were prophetically spoken in scriptures telling us these are the signs that you will know that the Messiah has come. Another one, Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Listen, Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of what the Messiah would come and how it would come. Now, in the Old Testament, and again, I, you know, when you read, there's so many what we'll call paradoxes in the Old Testament as it relates to understanding the coming of the Messiah, right? Because, you know, one prophecy comes out, he's going to be a judge, and he's going to rule. Another prophecy says he's going to suffer, and he's going to die. And, and you see these, these what, would be, what appear to be contradictions in the Old Testament, and the prophets were going, we don't get it. We've got, he's going to be born as a baby, yet he's going to rule as a king. He's going to, it, it seems like so many different ways that the Messiah was communicated and, and looking forward, I'm sure it was really difficult for them to get their arms wrapped around who this Messiah was going to be. Fortunately, we have the opportunity to look back and can see how one man can take all of the significant prophecies about the Messiah and wrap them all into one beautiful ball and it began when he came as a babe in a manger to fulfill the prophecies of who he would become. The lion and the lamb would become the lamb of sacrifice. Again, you go, lion. This lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and yet a lamb of sacrifice. They sound like, oh, how can they be the same? But in Jesus Christ, we find the beautiful picture of God's paradox of Christ that reveals to us the very nature and gift of God's love toward our lives. You know, Larry King made this statement. He was asked the question, if you had an opportunity to interview anybody in the world your entire life, who would you interview? He said, I'd interview Jesus. You'd interview Jesus, yes. He said, I would ask him if he was born of a virgin. Because if he was, it would change everything. Do you realize there are many Christians today that don't believe that Jesus was actually born of a virgin? Kind of a theology that says anything divine, anything supernatural doesn't exist, and so we have to kind of make way for it. I want you to know if Jesus wasn't born from a virgin, then everything that he said about himself isn't true. His claim to divinity, his claim for who he said he was, all of the claim to fame that he even made of himself, if Jesus wasn't born of the virgin and fully God and fully man, then he's not worthy of following. And the reason we sit here today and the reason that I stand and have conversation with you today is because I believe with all of my heart that Jesus came as a babe in a manger from a virgin conception conceived by God himself through Mary. God and man. Why? We're going to find and discover the reason. It was imperative that this is the way that it happened. You know, don't you realize that God could have just made Jesus at a 30-year-old man? But he didn't because he had to come as a babe. 
in a manger for a reason and for a purpose. But we see prophecy as one of the main reasons that Jesus uh, came as a babe in a manger. The second is that Jesus came this way, born in the flesh, because he wanted to show humanity the Father. He, he wanted to show people the nature of the Father. You know, when you read the Old Testament, you might get the impression that God is a mean God messing people's lives up. Right? Even though we can find the love of God and the nature of God, but many people in the Old Testament, their mindset of God was a God to solely be feared, not a God to be loved, not a God to be built relationship with, but to stay away, pay your dues, do your sacrifices, but don't get close to God because you'll be in trouble. Some of you grew up in a church that made you feel that way. You better watch out because God's going to get you for that. Amen, anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you grew up like I did. Every time you did something wrong, you're like, I'm in trouble. Because the God that I know is going to get me for that. I'm going to pay on that one. I want you to know that we find in the demonstration of Jesus through his virgin birth, his conception, and the way that he lived his life, he was wanting to demonstrate to us and show us a greater picture of the character and nature of God that the people of the time did not understand. They didn't see God as a loving God. And Jesus came to change the story, to demonstrate the nature and the quality and the character of God to the people that were in that way. And he came in this form, the scriptures tell us, that he comes in grace and truth. I, I'm going to read a story to you that many of you might be familiar with, and I'm sure I won't do the justice if you heard it like I did. This is a story of Paul Harvey, that he talks about the story of the birds, and I heard this years ago on the radio, Paul Harvey telling this story of a, uh, of a man and his experience with uh, his family and with God and I, I just want to read it to you you guys throw that picture up there for me so we can get the we can get the context right just imagine some soft music going on the man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge he was a kind decent mostly good man generous to his family upright in his dealings with other men but he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense. And he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. And so we stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, and then went back to the, his fireside chair and began to read the newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. Then another, then another. At first, he thought it must be someone throwing snowballs against his living room window, but he, when he went out to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stored their pony. That would be a provide a great warm shelter. If he could just direct them to the barn, they would be fine. Quickly, he put on his coat, his galoshes, trampled through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on the light. But the birds would not come in. 
He, he figured food would entice them, so he hurried back into the house, fetched breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail uh, to, to, to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them, he tried shooing them into the barn, walking around them, waving his arms, and instead they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm trying, not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and, and mingle with them and speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. I could show them the way to safety, to the warm, to the safety of the barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. And at that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells, Adeste Fidelis, listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees to the snow. Powerful story, isn't it? Coming in the flesh was necessary for humanity. We didn't get God. We didn't understand God. We, we, we couldn't allow ourselves to relate to this God of creation, that this, this master creator of the universe, this judger, this, this, this all-powerful, and we find ourselves separated from him. But the story of Christmas is God incarnate. God, which simply means God coming in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the God-man, fully God and fully man. You say, well, that's a paradox. What is a paradox? It's where something seems contradictory, but it's true nonetheless. Both points are true. Jesus is fully God and fully man, and his necessity to come in humanity's sake was for a grand purpose for our lives. You know, if Jesus were not born both divine and human, there would be no true incarnation and we'd have no hope of redemption for our lives. And the Bible says this in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was in the beginning, and this is John communicating to everyone the value of the divinity of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse number 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace, in truth, you know, I love grace. You know, grace is when you, 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 you get what you don't deserve. You know, when someone shows you grace, it's like you didn't earn something. Someone said, I want to give you something. Do you realize that when Jesus came, he gave us to give us what we, what we didn't deserve? You know, Santa Claus, we are told that, you know, you, you, we'll give you what you want because you deserve it. Jesus gives us what we need when we don't deserve it. The beauty of Jesus is what he provides and does for us in our life. And we see this beautiful picture in the story of him coming in this divine way in the flesh to express the grace and goodness of God. 
born of a human, conceived by the Holy Spirit. We find, in again, verse 35, it says, The angel said, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is God conceiving in Mary, the human of Mary, and the spiritual of God, the divine of God, creating Christ Jesus to be the stand between for our lives. And the only way he could share in our humanity is if he was willing to be born in our form. Imagine how many times have you prayed, God, fix this, fix me. Sometimes in our form, it's difficult, right? We find pain and suffering and sorrow and challenge. And Jesus willingly said, I'm going to come and deal with what you deal with. I'm going to come and understand your humanity. I want you to know that I'm willing to do and deal with what you have to deal with so that I can express my love and grace to you. Philippians tells us this, speaking of Jesus in verse 6, who being in the form, the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, he said, I'm going to set aside my divinity Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. We're going to get to that in a minute. You know, C.S. Lewis said this about Jesus. The Son of God became man so that men might become the sons of God. This great trade and transition of experience Jesus left the glory of heaven because of the love of God that he wanted to express. You know, the scripture we all know so well reminds us, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, right, to come. To, why? Because we needed him to come. We didn't get God. And, and even it's interesting, when Jesus came, a lot of people didn't even get Jesus. They loved his works, they loved his deeds, they loved his action, but at the end they didn't understand because they didn't quite get the full picture of what the Messiah was going to be. They wanted a king and a leader and a champion. They didn't realize that Jesus was going to come as a servant and a slave to sacrifice himself. One day the emphasis of him being the line of the tribe of Judah and all the things that we know of his grandeur, but they were subjugated this time to say, you know, this time I come as a servant leader to die for humans that desperately need to find and discover the love of God, that I love them, that I care about them. He cares about your purposes, your plans. He cares about your sufferings, your sorrows, your weaknesses. He cares about you where you are. Jesus Christ cares about you more than you can imagine. And I know sometimes when you think of God, you think he just doesn't care. Even today, many of us find ourselves wrapped in that mindset. Well, if God cared, he would do this. I want you to know that God has expressed himself to us in such a meaningful way. And if we would simply open up our heart to him and the story that he offers of redemption, that everything would be changed and the beginning of a new tomorrow would begin for you. And this is his invitation, even in coming to us in this way. God loved the world that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We remember the angel's story in the coming of Jesus, right? Jesus in the flesh, what did the angels say? Today I'm telling you, I bring you good news of great joy that's going to be for everybody. Today, the day has begun where everything's changing. Maybe it hasn't changed for you yet. Maybe you're still lost in that brokenness and suffering and sorrow and haven't yet realized the blessed gift of Christ that is available to you the joy that he wants to bestow onto you, the life change that he wants to bring to you, the purpose that he wants to bring to bear within your soul. And I know you're looking at your troubles, your struggles, your challenges and saying, Bill, you don't know what I'm going through. I might not, but I want you to know that he knows because he suffered with you. 
He put himself in the position to experience your suffering so that he could be the answer for the needs that you have. Jesus was born in his humanity in the flesh because he had to come and show us how to preach the gospel. He had to come and show us how to pass the message on and tell others. You remember when Jesus came, he began to do miracles and tell people about the goodness of God. And One of the key elements of Jesus before he left to his disciples, he says, you got to pass this message on. Uh, for all you Christians that are out there that you know Jesus was born in the flesh, you know why he was born in the flesh. One of the reasons Jesus came was to be the first trumpeter of this message of hope and one that he wants you to carry on. He showed you how to do it. He showed us how to live and to operate and to give of ourselves. And it's one of the reasons that he came was to begin to perpetuate this, this telling of the good news of great joy for all people. But this, to me, is the most significant reason why Jesus came as a babe in a manger. He came in his humanity. Why? Because we needed our sins atoned or paid for. Jesus was born in, into humanity to atone or pay for our sins and to break the power of death and Satan over your life. Some of you know what that power feels like. You know the brokenness that you experience when we're separated from God. We know the dread, the the yuckiness in our lives, the, the disillusionment that we have, the, the confusion that we have. We know what it feels like to be just, ah, I want you to know that Jesus Christ has come and he paid a price so that you could have freedom. And I just don't mean eternal freedom, though I do. Freedom from death and the suffering of death. I mean freedom that God wants to bring to our lives. You know, we preach this message, loving God, loving life. Why? God wants you to learn to love your life. He's provided you the tools and the avenues to live life well where you're excited about him, excited about the purposes and plans for your life. And God wants to fill you by his spirit in supernatural ways. But he's provided that for us. The scriptures tell us that he has redeemed us from the penalty of the law. He's come and he has destroyed the works of the devil. The, the power that the enemy has had over your life, Jesus Christ has actually engaged the enemy, has defeated the enemy, and given you the tools to overcome so you don't have to sin and sin and sin and sin and rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. I want you to know that you don't have to live a life like that. You might go, well, I've tried. I want you to know that, guess what? God's got some new stuff to bring your way because he wants you to find some victory. None of us are perfect. We all fail. We all can find ourselves in difficulties, but I, I promise you that God has some new revelation he wants to give to you so that you can see the power of overcoming that he's provided for you because he's paid for it. And he's made an avenue and a way for you to experience within your life. Jesus had to be born in the way that he was born because he was under the law. You know, the reason that Jesus couldn't be 30 years old is because the first law that a Jewish boy had to fulfill was to be circumcised at how many days old? See, Jesus had to complete all the law. His role was, he said, I've come to fulfill the law. In other words, I've come to give myself as a measure to show you that I can fulfill, never make a mistake, always do the right thing, live by the measure of the law. So if God was to judge me by the law, he would look at Jesus and say, you have lived perfect and you get the gift of eternal life. And by the way, there's only one that ever lived perfect and you ain't him. But Jesus came and had to be as a baby because the first law to be fulfilled was at eight days old. 
his consecration 40 days later when he was taken to the temple. And if you remember when Jesus taken was to the temple, Simeon and Anna were sitting at the temple. The Lord has spoke to them. They were old in age and said, one day you will see the Messiah come. And when his parents brought him on that 40th day after his birth into the temple, both Simeon and Anna were like, oh, the day has been revealed. The Messiah has come. What God has spoken is now revealed to us in the flesh. The babe in a manger has begun the process of living a perfect, sinless life because he had to. To pay for our sins. The great trade. This is the beautiful picture of scriptures. Failing, broken people. How can we ever be redeemed? How can we ever clean up? You know, I've talked to people about being cleaned. You know, if you ever tried to clean yourself with dirty water, no matter how good you do it, guess what? You're still... Why? Because you can't get rid of the dirty water. And, and anything we do in our natural sense to clean ourselves is just like cleaning with dirty water. We're never really clean. We can make it look clean, but the truth is if you really analyze it, you're just dirty everywhere. Kind of a haze. But Jesus came to offer us a beautiful trade in life. He was required by law to be circumcised. He was, and then he began to live his journey as a young man. I could imagine being one of Jesus' brothers. The perfect Jesus, always doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. But we're reminded in Galatians 4 how important it was for Jesus to fulfill the law. In Galatians um, 1, 4, it says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, which was us, and the law says, if you sin in one part of the law, you're guilty for all of the law, right? If you miss it in one spot, it's not just that one spot you're guilty. You're guilty for all of it because you can't live by the law. You're not living by it because you're guilty in one, you're guilty in all. That we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God. It's almost like this transformation that the spirit says, God is no longer a God that is far away to be seen like a, a, a God that's hard to get to know. You're going to actually call him Daddy, God, or Father, God, in a personal, intimate way, by the spirit. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. Anybody ever wish you grew up with a wealthy heir? We go, well, I wish. Do you know that being an heir of God, the reward of being a part of the family of God is eternal life? You know, yesterday we celebrated um, a dear friend of ours passing from this life to the next. Her reward of being a Christian was in her closing eyes here, she opened up there. Her last breath here was her first breath there. And leaving this broken place, and a lot of times we had this fear of leaving this broken place. It was like, oh no, I'm dying. And I want you to know that in Christ, when you die in Christ, your last breath in this broken, stinky place will be made real when you take your first breath in that live, living, dynamic, God-centric place. I love this with Christ. There is no fear in death because why? Because he's paid for our atonement so that we could be made right. Some of you, when you think of death, there's a, a dread that comes over your soul. There's a, there's a brokenness that you feel inside of you. And I want you to know that God has provided us a way over those things. And here's the awesome thing about Jesus. Jesus 
He lived to 33 years old because actually you couldn't be a priest in the, in the order of, of Jerusalem unless you were 30 years old. You had to get to 30 years old before you could ever be a priest. And we know that the scripture talked about the, the soon coming Messiah would be the great priest or the last priest of the order of, it says in, 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 in Hebrews, of Melchizedek. He would be the, the main priest ever. So Jesus lived to his 30, year, 30, years, 30 years old, 33 to be exact. But it, it, in age-wise, he qualified to become a priest. But Jesus just wasn't a priest that was going to sacrifice. Jesus was priest and sacrifice. The priest that gave himself in the flesh. Born in the flesh. To die in the flesh. So those who were of flesh could be Jesus had to come in the flesh so that we could find redemption for our lives and take authority over the power of the enemy. In Hebrews 2.14 it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power over death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held slavery by the fear of death. 1 John 3, 8 says this in the latter part, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. What is his work? Death, destruction, thievery of life. Jesus has come to provide for us new life. Jesus fulfilled the old covenant so he could offer us the new covenant, which is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I close with these thoughts. You know, the birth of Jesus was an unprecedented unimaginable, an unequated event. He came for one purpose, which was to be our Redeemer and Atoner. And He lived that perfect, sinless life so that we could be saved. I'll read two scriptures as I close as I remind you of these things. Joseph didn't have the privy of knowing, you know, the angel came to Mary and said, listen, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. And Joseph was betrothed to Mary. And when you're betrothed, it's basically, you know, the first year, when you're betrothed, it's like, honestly, in the Jewish culture, when you're betrothed, you're married. You actually can be betrothed and go through in a divorce. Even if you never intimately got together, you could, you'd be divorced from the betrothal. So it'd be a divorce, even though you were never together. Well, he was betrothed to Mary. They'd never been together physically in that nature. And Joseph finds out that she's pregnant. I, I can't imagine what that conversation was like. Uh, Joe? Hear me out. It's, it's not what you think. It's not, it's not what you're going to feel. It's not what you're going to be told. I have to tell you something that's divine. I know you're not going to get it, but I have to tell you. You know, some of you today, sometimes you've heard things about Jesus and about who he was, and I want you to know he's not what you think. There's something divine has happened in Christ. Some of you, in your pragmatic mindset, well, I don't get that, or I, or I heard this. I want you to know that Jesus cares about you so much. And just like Mary had this conversation, God backed her up because he sent an angel to Joseph. And basically said, hey, what Mary told you, it was true. This is what the angel said to, to Joseph. After he had considered, he was considering divorcing her. 
even after her conversation with him saying, you know, this has happened by the Lord. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. You know, when Jesus showed up in that manger, it was God in the flesh coming to say, can I show you a a better part of me? You got lost in the way you think about me. You don't see me for who I am. You're like a bird stuck in the snow, running away, and I don't want you to run any longer. I want you to see me for who I am. And I'm not going to come to be king. I'm going to come to be servant. I see your need, and I'm going to provide it for you. I see your struggle, and I'm going to take care of it. I see the challenges. I want you to know that I'm going to be there to be the one that's going to rip down the work of the enemy in your life. I will provide for you a way out, and the way I'm going to do it is through my free will gift of death so that you can have life. The story of Christmas, the mystery of the babe in a manger is so powerful in the reality of what it means that someone, God allowed himself to come in the form of a man to pay for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5 in my last passage, Paul is describing this beautiful picture of being made new in Jesus Christ, what has happened, and encouraging all those that had come to Christ to share the good news because of the value that had happened. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. That's me and you. We're the ambassadors of God. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. I want you to know this great trade that we have, there's nothing you could do to make yourself clean. Nothing. Have you tried? How'd that work? How long did it work? Right? We fail. But Christ offers us new life in himself. And it's through the work that he did on the cross. And for you today, I want you to know that you can be made right as we look at this Christmas story in the real person of Jesus that came as a babe in a manger that lived a sinless life to die on a cross so that you could be saved. Saved from what? Your old inheritance, which was death and separation from God that you earned and paid for yourself. And Jesus said, I don't want you to have to pay it. I'm going to pay it for you. I'll take death, you get life. I'll take judgment, you get freedom. I'll take the penalty of death so that you could have the gift of eternal life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Maybe you're here today and you need that eternal life. Maybe the way you've looked at Jesus has been maybe that Old Testament concept of a judging God and a critical God and a non-caring God and a lost God. And in the story of Christ, we find that God engaged humanity, made himself one of us so that he could show us the light in the barn and say, follow me to the place of redemption. And it's through the gift of his life. Maybe you need that today. 
Maybe that confusion, maybe that challenge of hurt and pain in your life, and even the way you viewed God has been constricting your ability to see God. But maybe this morning God is opening and illuminating your eye. You see the light in the barn, and you realize it's there to lead you somewhere special. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He's that light for you today. Maybe today you need to open your heart to his light and receive the forgiveness of sins as a free gift. You don't earn it. You didn't pay for it, but it is a gift that nonetheless God wants you to receive. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Lord, I love you. Thank you for the opportunity, the privilege to be here today, to be inspired by your words from Scripture the stories that remind us of who you are and what you've done for us. I pray for every person in here this morning, those that are, are, are Christ followers that love you, that you're inviting to remind themselves of who you are and this ambassadorship, this call to tell the world about the story of our, our risen Savior. But also for those that in here today that, that they feel the pain and sting of life, the confusion, that struggle, that challenge. They feel lost with themselves. I pray right now, Lord, that as you call their name personally as you invite them to know you like that star that the wise men followed lord i pray that that star would illuminate now within their hearts and minds if you're here this morning and say billy i i need jesus in my life i need to make him the lord of my life i i want to accept him for who he is he came to die for my sins so that i could be saved and be in relationship with a loving god who cares about my life and about my journey and about tomorrow and he wants to give me an inheritance of eternal life. And today I recognize that I need that. I want to be free from my sin and the power of Satan. And I want to live life the way you meant me to live it. If that's you, I want you to pray a prayer with me. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of dedication. It's a prayer of giving our life to Christ and accepting the free gift that he offers us. I just want you to take these words and make them your own. As God's listening right now, the light is on. And these words are the step toward the light into the benevolence and goodness of God to be redeemed and made new. We're going to join together with you as saints in here that love Jesus already, but if you need to pray this prayer, just pray it and make it your own. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Let's say it out loud. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus as a babe in a manger to live a perfect life and to die that death on a cross and take my sin upon himself so that I could be saved. And today I acknowledge I need to be saved. I received this free gift of love called salvation and I choose to follow you with all that I am and I do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Doesn't that feel good? Even if you're a Christian, it feels good to pray that again, doesn't it? I love Jesus so much. I'm so glad that he loves me in spite of me. God has a plan for your life. He has a future for your life. He has a blessing for your life. Here at Oasis Community Church, we believe that God wants to continue to bring you the things that you need to find that freedom. As we close today, if you prayed that prayer and you gave your life to Jesus, would you let me know on your way out of that door or let someone know on the way out that I did that? We'd love to get some material in your hands that helps you understand what that life looks like in Christ. If you have prayer needs of any kind, I would encourage you, 
to, at the end of service, we're going to have some prayer ministry team leaders are going to be up here to pray for any particular needs that you might have. We do this every week because we know people come sometimes hurting and struggling and just need someone to have some contact with them. If you are a guest with us, I would love for you to meet us out on the, we've got a special guest spot out there and a gift we'd love to place into your hands. So uh, if you can take advantage of that. And I hope you guys all can make it to our wonderful play we're going to be doing next weekend. May God richly bless you as you go. If you're a first-time guest, we would love to have an opportunity to connect with you and give you a free gift for joining us today. Or if this isn't your first time, but you're ready to get connected, go ahead and send me an email and let me know how we can best serve you. We have life groups, both live and virtual, classes and resources to help you live your life in complete freedom. And you know what? If you're ready for the full on-campus experience, you can reach out to us via email as well, and we will get you connected with an opportunity to check us out and meet our church. Thank you so much for watching and have a blessed week. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.